You're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, the markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this edition, our featured guests are Tim Horan, Managing Director and Head of Cloud and Communications Research at Oppenheimer, Rick Schaefer, Managing Director and Head of Semiconductor Research, and our host is Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking at Oppenheimer. This episode was recorded on January 16, 2024. Thank you for joining us. Hello, and welcome to our episode called the AI Gold Rush Revisited. I'm your host, Jane Ross, and we're here with Tim Horan and Rick Schaefer of Oppenheimer. Now, last year on Let's Talk Future, of course, we had a bunch of terrific episodes about generative AI and its enormous potential for the market for the economy, and for society at large. And indeed, last year, the NASDAQ was up 43%, driven by some of our top picks in generative AI. So the question for the house is, where do we go from here? Clearly in 2024, there'll be technology advances, product extensions, earnings opportunities, but some potential risks and bottlenecks too. So once again, we're happy to welcome Tim Horan and Rick Schaefer to talk about all of this. So welcome, guys. And Tim, I'm going to start with you with a big kind of overarching question. You know, as I was reading strategy pieces for 2024, there are those who talk about generative AI fueling the next super cycle in the U.S. economy. And then there are still those who fear that it'll bring about the end of humanity. So which is it? Well, we are firmly in the camp that this is a once a century general technology uh, that is going to be the most important technology over the next 20 years. It's kind of similar to what we saw happen to our economy from electricity 100 years ago, where we were able to build things like the subway and extend out New York City. And then we were able to build assembly lines to have inexpensive cars and on and on. And 100 years before that, really, it was the uh, high-powered steam engine. So we think it's that important. Uh, We do think it can kind of drive, you know, 20 to 40 percent of incremental productivity uh, growth for global GDP over the next kind of decade as a result of all this. And we're we're still absolutely firmly in that camp. Uh, We uh, we think it's ridiculous to think that AI is going to destroy humanity. Really, this is just a very complex mathematical uh, model that can do amazing, amazing things. Um, but I am definitely not in the camp that it can uh, that can hurt humanity. Okay, well, that's good. All right. So, Rick, turning to you as you look ahead into 2024, the events that are coming up, some of the big themes that you're talking to clients about. Let's talk about some of those thoughts for 2024. Jane, it's a good question because the pace of innovation here, um, and again, the leader here is NVIDIA, so I'll keep using them as an example. I would say probably the single biggest one coming up on most people's calendars. NVIDIA, as most people will know on this podcast, is sort of the 800-pound gorilla uh, from a semiconductor perspective in the AI space. You know, they are, I think, something over 70% process or market share now uh, in the data center 
and really unique in that they have a, a complete platform approach where they bring not only the, the best and fastest hardware, but also they have the most complete software ecosystem around that. They even have some connectivity uh, technology as well. So it's it's sort of a, a, a really a complete platform. Looking, um, they introduce a new uh, accelerator every two years and the leaps forward in performance each time they introduce a new product is about an order about an order of magnitude, almost 10x the performance of the prior generation. The big change here is that they have announced that they're now moving forward, uh, going to be introducing a new accelerator every year. So instead of every two years, it'll be an annual move up. And they expect to stay on that same sort of performance curve where they're um, improving performance by roughly an order of magnitude each generation. Their newest accelerators are due in the third quarter, we believe, this year. That hasn't been officially announced by NVIDIA, but it's called the B100, B like boy, and it's uh, like it's due out in 3Q. Gotcha. And for your companies, you're going to continue, for the semiconductor companies, we're going to continue to see them spending a ton of money, right? So we're going to get better performance in GPUs, but the, the spend is going to continue to be pretty dramatic. My companies will continue to spend when they're seeing the kind of growth that they're seeing. Um, you know, Tim's companies obviously are paying the bills like Microsoft. Um, and I know he can talk about their CapEx plans, but if you look at spend last year in the data center, um, I think AI related spend was up over 35%. Um, again, Tim can comment on that. Uh, but if you look at traditional server spend um, early last year, most folks expected traditional server, unaccelerated server to grow 10% last year. Instead, it it, it actually came down. It was negative uh, rough, roughly 20% growth last year. So you can see that the, you've definitely seen a pivot. Um, and you can see you know, a, a driver there, a key driver there is just that you're getting these, these, these orders of magnitude leaps forward uh, by accelerating your servers. Um, versus much more modest um, leaps forward using traditional uh, unaccelerated compute. Yeah. And Tim, that's something that you've written about as well, the CapEx spend and the impact for your infrastructure companies, right? Uh, no, uh, absolutely, Jane. And But, you know, the CapEx is largely going to be determined by can we get incremental revenues from, from AI, you know, initially. So it's going to be it's going to be critical this year to basically see the use cases and the uptake. Probably the most important numbers we're gonna hear this year are gonna be Microsoft's earnings calls because hopefully they're gonna be giving us updates about how many people are taking their co-pilot products. And it's not just for Office 365, they have like a, a co-pilot almost for every single one of their products. Uh, you know, so it's gonna be key how many people are buying these products, you know, how much more are they really willing to pay? And then, you know, what type of productivity improvements are they seeing? And if we get good numbers out of Microsoft, well, then they're going to spend very aggressively. And it's not just Microsoft, because other SaaS providers, basically every tech company then will look to massively improve their own products through Copilot or basically infusing AI and in basically whatever they're doing. Another sector that we follow is called the, the, the um, CX or the customer engagement industry contact centers. We're looking to automate a lot of the contact center agents and digitize that a lot more. Uh, and we'll be getting a sense of that this year, if that's working or not. And once again, if, if that's working, that's just a, another example of, of this AI is huge. It's going to be extremely important. Let's go spend the money. But I can tell you right now that Microsoft, um, from all our channel checks, is a big believer that this is going to massively 
transform Microsoft and the whole tech center and frankly our whole economy because they are putting in very long-term orders now for data centers. And I'm assuming the same thing for chips, but you know, they're putting in three, four years worth of data center orders with everyone they can basically get their hands on to basically get the data center power capacity. We had been kind of growing uh, data center power by about two gigawatts a year globally. I mean, it was almost 10% growth. This next year, we think we're going to grow four to five gigawatts, which, which is a very, very big deal. All the basically data center projects have been accelerated. When you talk to the cloud guys, they kind of think there's going to be a need for at least a tenfold increase in power over the next decade. Um, that'll be front end lowered. The industry is using about 3% of U.S. electric generation right now. So, you know, going up to 6%, it's probably going to be a third of incremental power growth or more you know, in, in the United States, maybe even 50% of the incremental power growth. So you're talking a very, very big deal. But once again, it all comes back to, will we actually see the applications? Are people willing to pay for the applications? Microsoft obviously believes they are clearly investing for the future. And I, I would say too, I think Rick, is your estimate next year for a roughly a $40 billion increase in revenue for our data center revenue for, for NVIDIA? For this year, for, yeah, for, for 2024. We see uh, the data center revenues up at seventy-five uh, billion right now, uh, and a lot of buy-side models uh, from from clients we've spoken with are actually higher. They're closer to a hundred billion at this point. And you know, so the reason I mentioned that when I look at the the basically the cloud-specific capex for the kind of top uh, six or five cloud providers globally, they're looking to increase spending from roughly a hundred billion to roughly a hundred and fifteen billion in twenty-four. You know, so there's a bit of a disconnect. Uh, the street is only looking for a 15 billion increase in capex by the cloud providers. Yet they're going to be spending probably half those chips are going to the major cloud providers. Maybe you know, maybe two thirds. And it's not just the chips. You got to build out the data centers. You got to build out the networking um, alongside of that. So you know, we think capex next year is by the street estimates are substantially low at that incremental 15 billion. It could easily be an incremental 30 to 40 billion. Uh, you know, to Rick's point. And why that's important is that should also translate with a little bit of a lag into incremental revenue growth in cloud, broadly speaking. Uh, so we also think you can get probably a dollar of incremental revenue for every dollar of CapEx that's being spent for the cloud guys. You might get an incremental one or $2 for application companies that are utilizing this. So it could be a real acceleration this year in overall revenue growth throughout the whole tech center and really helps out the whole economy if those all comes comes to fruition. So continued improvements in performance in GPUs, monetization, those are some of the big themes that you're talking about for 2024. When, you know, this issue about data center capacity and the needs to support AI infrastructure is that a risk too, though? Are we going to be able to match? I know Microsoft's spending a ton of money, but are we going to be able to create the amount of capacity that we need to fuel this growth? It's a major question mark because it takes like three years to bring on data center capacity. Now, what we're starting to see with data centers, our pricing is going up like 30% or so. And if we completely run out of capacity, and I'd say there's a probability of that, uh, you know, in the next, I'd say there's a probability of that in the next year, you know, then the pricing can go up substantially. I mean, it could go up 50, 60%. If that happens, you'll tend to see supply meet demand. People will be converting all sorts of old buildings into forms of data centers 
and trying to find power wherever they can. I mean, frankly, we saw this with Bitcoin mining a couple of different times where, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. When the economics made sense and people can make money on it, they really raced, you know, meet supply. There's a company that uh, Ian Safino, our, um, one of our analysts here at Oppenheimer, picked up Talon Energy Corp. And they have a nuclear power plant with a lot of buildings ne uh, next to the nuclear power plant. And they're getting into the data center business because the demand out there is so strong. But it's definitely a risk, I would say. It could slow down AI growth maybe a quarter or two, you know, if this happens. But, you know, as I mentioned, I think prices would go up a lot and we find um, supply coming out of the woodwork, essentially. Okay, so that's a more of a short-term speed bump. Gotcha. And then looking ahead at, at other potential, you know, s risks of slowing, venture capital has been a big supporter here. Interest rates have moved up. You know, I'm just curious if, if we're at all concerned about the ability to fund growth. Is VC going to continue to support these companies or valuations, you know, showing that? What do you think there? Well, I mean, just from the infrastructure perspective, the cloud guys are so dominant and they produce so much free cash flow. And, and this, these are the companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google. I mean, even Apple and Facebook build out private clouds, but Amazon, Microsoft and Google are building out um private uh, public clouds and then you have oracle building out you know public clouds and and others and they have the capital to do it i mean as long as you get the use cases and the productivity improvement it'll be basically a virtuous cycle but to your point we were quite worried a year ago about the ability to get capital for startups the people that are gonna most likely in their garage absolutely go out and invent uh, new ai use cases on top of the infrastructure and the, and the large uh, learning models but what we've seen over the last six months is VC investing has really picked up in the space massively. And we're basically back almost to a, a bit of a, a very heated environment in funding the hottest new venture capital startups. And we're also also back to for, you know, mid-sized companies, they have access again to the, to the high yield market. And, you know, if interest rates have come down a bit from the 5% that the 10 year was the 4% and the high yield spreads have tightened up a little bit. So, we're in a, I think, a very, very healthy environment right now for, for funding, which to your point is fairly critical because that is frankly where most of the innovation is going to come from, not really from the very largest companies out there because you'll have thousands and thousands of companies out there working on new ideas and, you know, 5% of them will hit and uh, they'll be off to the races. And that'll obviously be very, very good for the infrastructure providers. That, that's what they're hoping for also that we will get new companies and new startups. I mean, if we were sitting here basically 20 years ago, we didn't really know. Well, Facebook hadn't been around yet and, and Google was in its infancy, you know, so um, two of the biggest use cases. And then obviously things like Uber and Airbnb came around a decade later after we both had the Internet and, and then the iPhone. Um, so new startups tend, tend to drive a lot of the new applications. Exactly. All right. So, Rick, over to you. Let's talk about your picks as we head into 2024? Which are the companies in the semiconductor space that you're highlighting? Yeah, so our picks this year, Jane, are NVIDIA, uh, Monolithic Power, Marvell, and, and Broadcom. And, and those are really the four best plays on the AI theme within the, the entire semiconductor space. Um, you know, obviously, NVIDIA leads. Uh, monolithic Power is really the primary, if not sole source uh, power supplier for all of the NVIDIA accelerators. They're also doing the 
AMD uh, accelerator, and they're also doing Google's TPU, the power supply for them as well. So they're sort of a second derivative play on all this. And then Marvell and Broadcom, as you mentioned, you know, there's really two sides of the coin here. One side is is we keep making these big leaps forward in terms of processing power from the likes of NVIDIA. And on the other side of the coin, you've got to be able to connect all these servers within the data center and connect all these data centers together. Um, and that's where Marvell and Broadcom, uh, two networking plays, the two leading networking plays um, come in. So they're also a direct play on everything that's happening uh, in AI. They're also both uh, Marvell and Broadcom, <clears throat> excuse me, are also the leading uh, makers of, of custom AI silicon. So they, the Broadcom, for instance, probably the best example, they make the TPU uh, for Google. And I'm going to ask you again, I asked you last year, but valuation and NVIDIA, <laughs> we've seen just such crazy growth in stock performance. So could you talk a little bit about valuation and NVIDIA's stock? Yeah, it's a it's really changed since it since last year. Um, the last couple of quarters, you've seen some pretty tremendous uh, upside numbers put into the model. Um, I remember two quarters ago saying that, that we thought Nvidia had twenty dollars of earnings power in twenty twenty four, and within within two quarters, uh, that's pretty much where my number is now. We're very close. So that's the kind of upside they've put up just the last two quarters, and the stock hasn't really moved a whole lot. So. Right now, NVIDIA is trading around 22 times calendar 25 uh, earnings. And the group is is um, basically its long-term average. If you look at a three-year or four-year average, it's around 21 times. So it's trading pretty much in line with the uh, with the group average uh, over the last, say, three to five years. That, you know, So we think people have become pretty concerned about, I think, not so much this year, but it's interesting uh, on NVIDIA. They're there's a lot of um, a lot of talk about 2025 and what kind of growth we'll see when things sort of start to settle down. Something we didn't talk about earlier, but you know, Nvidia is really one of the bottlenecks uh, for growth in the data center in terms of building out capacity. Right now, we we estimate they're undershipping demand by at least 20 percent, um, and so we believe the the big bottleneck there is actually in the back end it's in something called advanced packaging something called coos for any of your tech listeners and you know the uh tsm is the leading maker or leading provider of that coos capacity and they're they're investing heavily in that so we think by the end of this year that that coos uh, capacity constraint should largely abate so there is a question next year on what kind of growth uh, what what a natural growth rate looks like for for nvidia we think the concern is is overdone we 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 actually see pretty tremendous upside uh, for pretty significant upside for the for Nvidia this year. All right, full steam ahead. Tim, how about you? What are your picks going into 2024 in AI infrastructure? Well, it, it just so happens uh, my picks are all related to AI infrastructure because I do think this is the year of AI infrastructure. They are um, Microsoft, Cloudflare. DigitalOcean and Cogent, uh, to one degree or another, all of them are provisioning um, infrastructure. Uh, Cogent a little bit more on the uh, networking uh, and some data center side. Uh, DigitalOcean is deploying GPUs for small to mid-sized businesses to use in the cloud. It's kind of a niche cloud provider. Uh, Cloudflare is building out edge compute with AI embedded in it. Um, and I think there's going to be strong demand for it. And then obviously, you know, Microsoft is really the 300 pound gorilla in AI. I mean, other than NVIDIA, it really is. 
becoming a pure play on AI. They have the best AI infrastructure, supercomputers. They have the best large language models. And then they have the best applications to be able to take advantage of AI initially. Um, and as I mentioned, the business is really being transformed. I mean, the a lot of their applications they can charge double for and probably get it. And then they are helping out other enterprises from what they learn on their own applications and their own infrastructure to kind of go out there and, and basically deploy their own AI on their own software or whatever application you're working on at that, at that point in time. And we uh, initially, we recently just upgraded Cloudflare and DigitalOcean. So they're kind of new names. Um, and our concern had been what you referenced before. There was um, some problems with emerging growth companies because they couldn't get access to capital and they were kind of pulling back on a lot of their cloud spending and they were a little bit more uh, exposed to that. Uh, Microsoft kind of powered through last year, but they were impacted the year before by that. Cogent has been a little bit impacted by that, but they are uh, in a position now to kind of leverage quite a bit of unique network infrastructure and data center infrastructure that they own. All right. Well, sounds like the AI gold rush continues. Thank you so much for coming here again and taking a look ahead at the year. Anything that we didn't cover or have we done it? Yeah, I, th I, th I think we covered it, Jane. So thanks for having us on. I do too, Jane. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, and so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode, and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.